Hi, I'm K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. For today's episode, I'll be detailing an episode-by-episode overview of the anime Samurai Champool, dubbed in English on Hulu. Samurai Champool is set in an alternate version of Edo era, 1603-1868 Japan, with an anachronistic, mainly hip-hop setting. It follows Mugen, an impudent and freedom-loving vagrant swordsman, Jean, a composed and stoic ronin, and Fu, a brave girl who asks them to accompany her in her quest across Japan to find the quote-unquote samurai who smells of sunflowers. Episode 1, Tempestuous Temperaments. We're met with two men, Mugen and Jean, set for execution by the governor. But then the scene rewinds to the day before at a tea house. A young servant named Fu is harassed by arrogant and rude men along with the governor's son for attentive service, drinks, and food. In another part of town, a laborer begs the governor to continue a construction job or his family will starve. He offers the governor money, but the official refuses it as chump change and orders the laborer to be executed on the spot. In the crowd, Jean attempts to step forward before he's warned against it by another man in the crowd. Back at the tea house, Mugen enters and requests water. Fu advises against it since they only serve tea and paying customers. Mugen then orders 50 quote-unquote dumplings to get rid of the men who are harassing her and other guests. Fu counters with 20, but Mugen refuses to go lower. Fu is then accosted by the governor's son when she trips and spills a drink on him. He orders one of his men to cut off two of her fingers as payment for her mistake. Back at the growing crowd, Jean has stepped forward to rescue the laborer from execution, killing all of the governor's highly trained and skilled guards. Unbeknownst to each other, when asked who they are, both Mugen and Jean reveal they are from the town Ryuku, which frightens both the governor and his son. Before Fu loses her fingers, she yells out to Mugen she'd offer him a hundred dumplings. Mugen proceeds to sever the man's arm who threatened Fu, kill multiple guards, and then ordered the other men to bring the governor's guards. In the meantime, he'd count every second by breaking his son's fingers. After two, Jean walks into the tea house. Mistaking him for one of the guards, Mugen attacks Jean. The men go toe-to-toe with one another, neither letting up, even when the tea house was initially set on fire. When the owner of the tea house set off to a new town, he offers Fu a place with him and his family. However, she declines his offer. She says this incident forced her to finally make up her mind. Mugen and Jean are captured and held prisoner by the governor after his son dies in the fire. They are then tortured as they await their public execution the next day. Fu attacks a guard and forced her way into the jail in an attempt to free Mugen and Jean. She makes a deal with them that if she can free them, they have to take her to a samurai that smells of flowers. They agree, but Fu fails to freedom before the execution. At the time of their execution, Mugen and Jean offer no apologies for killing the governor's son and his men. As the blade comes down on their necks, Mugen kicks his legs over his head, knocking the sword free. Jean cuts himself in Mugen free, killing a guard and arms Mugen in the process. While they fight their way through the yard, Fu manages to get two bombs, steals a ladder, and then climb the palace's roof. Before more guards can stop her, she lights and then throws the bombs down into the yard. Now free from the guards with their lives, Mugen and Jean attempt to continue their fight from back at the tea house. However, Fu runs over and upholds their agreement to help her. When they hesitated, Fu suggested a toy cost. Tails, they had to help her. Heads, they could keep fighting. But Mugen hurled it into the air only for it to land on Tails down on the Fu's forehead. Episode 2, Red Eye Reprisal. Fu, Mugen, and Jean struggle to buy food and lodgings after traveling together for some time. At an inn, Mugen overhears men complaining about an ogre killing several people. They question if the gnome samurai there could kill it, but claims he's only a samurai in name, not skill. Mugen offers his services to kill the ogre for a fee. With nowhere to go, the innkeeper suggests the group travel to an abandoned shack for the night before they set off into the mountains. 
Who insists Mugen keep his promise to help her search for the samurai who smells like sunflowers when he agrees to kill the ogre? However, when the men offer food and drink to the trio, Fu mistakes the sake for water and passes out drunk. As Jean carries Fu in a wagon, Mugen hears someone on their trail back to the shack. It's a woman in distress. Mugen gladly helps, but not for free. After the group arrives to the shack, Mugen bails to be with the woman at her home. And with Fu sleeping, Jean bathes in the hot springs not far from the shack. The innkeeper who suggested the group stay in the shack worked for the same man whose arm was cut off by Mugen back at Fu's old tea house. But a large man, the townspeople referred to as the ogre, was a killer purposefully broken out of prison for this mission. Mugen's visit to the woman's house was a setup as well to poison him. And Jean's visit to the hot springs was interrupted by the so-called samurai at the end who happens to be an assassin sent to kill him. Back at the shack, Fu is awakened by the one-armed man and kicked unconscious once more before he kidnaps her. Before either Mugen or Jean arrive to save Fu, she bonds with the large man who's more sad than frightening. He relates his tragic story to her about his life of torment because of his face. Fu's kind and sweet to him as she has no issue with his face or his stature. After Mugen discovers Fu is gone from the shack, he travels to the riverbank where he's attacked by the ogre. Fu yells from atop of a ledge with the one-armed man who teases Mugen with the antidote. Jean battles against the assassin who's impressed by Jean's skill. He even agrees that if they were fighting in a dojo instead, Jean would definitely win. But in an open field, he's no match for him. Down by the riverbank, Mugen falls weaker and weaker from the poison. The one-armed man orders the ogre to stop attacking Mugen to allow him to die slowly. Fu yells that he's lost his humanity and he doesn't disagree with her. When she knocks him off of Mugen before he drowns, the man shoves Fu back and readies to kill her to increase Mugen's suffering. But then the large man intercepts and strangles the man before snapping his neck, ultimately killing him. Then, when he reaches for his blade, Mugen grabs his and charges the ogre, killing him as well. Nearby, the assassin sees his client has died and ends his fight with Jean. However, he tells him they'll more than likely see each other again. Back at the riverbank, Fu consoles the ogre as she asks him why he saved her. He said she was the only one who would look at him and he was no longer alone. Episode 3 Hellhounds for Hire Part 1 On their way to the next town, Mugen and Jean ditch a nagging fool at the fork in the road. Mugen makes it to town first, intentionally stealing food from known Yakuza. Their boss, Riki, witnesses Mugen overpower the group of men and desires to ally with him as a partner. Jean walks into town and into the same tea house of, as Mugen after he's long gone. When he asks the shopkeeper for work, the man tells him about the gang conflict between Kitaro and Riki in town and if being a bodyguard interests him. Another group of Yakuza walk in, followed by the son of their rival. Sosuke then demands the IOU owed by his friend's father. The men mock and assault the boy until Jean interferes to offer his services as a bodyguard, scaring the men away and taking the IOU. Behind the curtains of the tea house, the mob boss, Mugen Met, explains his power over the town, including the gambling house and the brothel. When Fu finally wanders into town, she's advised by a fortune teller to beware of vases. Soon, she knocks over one and is kidnapped when she can't pay to replace it. Soon, she and the young man's friend is taken to the brothel to pay off their debts. Sasuke takes Jean to his father, Kitaro, to hire him as a bodyguard, but when the man refuses to interfere with their rival's legitimate yet fishy business, the young man takes matters into his own hands and hires Jean himself. Back at the brothel, Sasuke and Jean sneak in under the disguise of a very tall female musician and an elderly, elderly man. However, when guards demand dis a disguised Jean to play something, it's so terrible he regoes his disguise altogether. Mugen is there as well and is prepared to fight this new bodyguard he's heard so much about he's unaware is actually Jean. 
However, the two rivals also bump into Fu, held captive with the other prostitutes where she demands they stop fighting and help her as they promised. Episode 4, Hellhounds for Hire, Part 2. Logan and Jean continue fighting until Rikiki orders his men to move in and crowd the intruders. Mugen is upset by his interference and insists he be the one to fight Jean instead of his low-level henchmen. He even attacks one before the fighting ensues between the two rivals, killing several allies in the process. Sosuke finds his friend at the brothel in the chaos and tries to rescue her, but she refuses to leave with him. When it becomes overwhelming for them, Jean lets off hidden explosives and they escape. Riki informs Mugen his sword is no longer needed since his presence has encouraged his men to behave in a more confident manner. But Mugen doesn't care for power or to command over anyone. He freely walks away from Riki and his gang. Outside, he speaks with Ishimatsu, who left Hitaro's gang to join Riki's and express his the sacrifices needed to live, but Mugen calls him out on his excuses and leaves. Back at the brothel, Sasuke kills a guard, harassing his friend through the cage bars. He's then bound and transported to the, his father. Ishimatsu demands to know how Hitaro plans to repay for his son's unprovoked attack. He agrees to a dice game with Riki. If he wins, Sasuke must die, but if he loses, Hitaro loses his territory to Riki. Hitaro demands an audience with Jean. He tells him about why he operates his gang the way he does, his relationship with Ichimatsu, and his desire to retire. He also requests Jean to give Susuke a keepsake from him when the time comes. Fu escapes from the brothel after her plan to evade purchase backfired. But when she's alone with her John, her pet flying squirrel Momo bites him and then Fu hits him over the head with a vase. On her way out, two men transport her to the gambling house when she asks where it was. With the game about to start, Hitaro's dice roller appears to be a no-show and he must forfeit. However, his guards assume it's food when she arrives. She takes on the dice roller's role and throws the dice down. Hitaro wins the game but announces he never wanted to win from the beginning. The leader swiftly takes his own life, passing on his gang and territory onto his son. Riki laughs at the old man's foolishness because he planned on taking it regardless of the game's outcome. Suisuke yells at Riki about his dishonor against the Yakuza and greed. Suddenly, Mugen reappears. He's upset that Riki never sent anyone after him, so he came for a fight. Then the room erupts into a battle. As the gangs fight, Riki runs away out of the back, but Ishimatsu follows and kills him for his dishonor and mistrust of his gang. Suisuke offers Ishimatsu a place in Hitaro's gang once more if he likes. Ishimatsu agrees only once he's atoned for his misdeeds. His only formidable opponent is Wugen, who agrees to fight him in the field. The two men run towards one another, but only Ishimatsu spills blood. Episode 5, Artistic Anarchy Fool struggles to obtain a boat ride with no money. She and the guys agree to earn money to pull together for boat fare. In a restaurant, Fu meets a painter who offers a proposition to her. He'll paint her and pay her for modeling for him. She agrees after viewing his previous work at a local bookstore in town. Jane is also offered a wager to play with an elderly man outside of the store to chess. Elsewhere, Mugen robs Yakuza gang members for his share of the money. During his second robbery, Mugen sees Fu with the painter, but he doesn't interfere or stay with Fu. When she mounts for him, he asks her to remove more of her clothing. Initially, she hesitated, but when he insisted he wouldn't do anything offensive to her, Fu agreed. Outside his home, secret police stake out for an attack or other illegal activity. The police believe this man's paintings and the constant flow of European ships are connected to the cases of missing girls lately. Back at the store, Jean continues chess with the elderly man outside. The man attempted to cheat Jean by knocking the board over but Jean immediately replaced the pieces back where they were. So the two men played well into the night until the next morning. When the painter is finished with Fu, several men jump out from behind closed doors and kidnap her. 
the police were correct about the painter's scheme with the Yakuza and the missing girls. Later that night, the painter attempts to free Fu, but his plans are foiled by her kidnappers. The next morning, when the painter returns home after the Yakuza beat him up, Mugen is there for Fu. But the painter informs him about the, her capture. When they both rush to the warehouse where she's held, Fu's crate is gone, but the one left bursts open with one of the police officers inside. When Mugen sees the boat carrying her, he attacks the men. However, one of them escapes with Fu on foot with Mugen in pursuit. After he frees Fu and finally pins her captor down, the officer reemerges and issues an arrest warrant for the elderly man outside of the shop playing with Jane. He's actually the mastermind behind the kidnappings, not his wife and bookstore owner. Just then, Jean calls checkmate and wins the game. The elderly man honors their wager before being arrested. Now the trio have their fare and possibly more for food. Episode 6, Stranger Searching. The group end up in Edo and compete in an eating competition. In lieu of money, Mugen and Jean reluctantly bid their swords as their registration fee. However, Jean is the first to bow out of the competition. Then Mugen and then Fu and one other mysterious eater are left. Fu accidentally signals forfeit when she tries to kill a fly. The winner of the contest, named Joji, approaches the trio with their swords. When Jean asks for them back, the strange man agrees to offer them back if they show him around Edo. In the town square, officers demand to know the whereabouts of a European seen in town. Initially, people hadn't seen him until they approached the restaurant where the eating competition happened. When the group sits down to eat again, they are discovered by the officers. Mugen mocks their efforts to arrest them all, offers a non-lethal defense before they escape. Another group of strangers, similarly dressed as Joji, but with large hats covering their facial features, also approach the restaurant after the fact for his whereabouts. Joji insists they see a show before he gives them their swords back. Once it's over, he insists on meeting the star. When he approaches her, he immediately discovers the performer is a man. Fu is under the impression he's upset, but the man actually prefers other men. Joji informs the group he fled Holland because they frown upon homosexuality. He said he read a book about homosexual culture in Japan and wanted to live here because of it. The group are found out by the officers again and are attacked. Joji finally gives Mugen and Jean their swords back to defend themselves. With nowhere to run, they're cornered on the main stage in front of a crowded showroom. Just then, the other Europeans intercept the Japanese officers trying to arrest with official papers. Joji is actually Isaac, the governor general of the Dutch East India Company there in Japan to meet with the Shogun, but has been neglecting his duties to have fun in Japan. Before they set off, Fu asks Isaac about a samurai that smells like sunflowers. He doesn't know who that is other than the fact that the Dutch were the people who introduced sunflowers to the East. But when Fu shows Isaac a skull charm of the mysterious samurai, he insists she never show anyone that ever again. He also suggests they go to Nagasaki next for more clues. Episode 7, A Risky Racket The trio win the pot after gambling the rest of the money they had. When they go to order food to eat after three days of nothing, Fu is pickpocketed. When they try to run after the thief, he unfortunately escapes. The thief then lifts a gold tin from another man. He later discovers it's heroin. When he tries to sell it, his fence wants 70% before he shops for a buyer. The thief agrees before returning home. Mugen and Jean barge in on a woman's home and search for the thief, but she claims she has no son. They tell Fu to stay in case he does show up while they circle back around for him. While she waits, Fu has flashbacks about the death of someone she found before meeting Mugen and Jean. The thief does show up at the home later. Fu listens to his mother complain about the men and if her son has anything to do with their grievances. He lies and tells her to rest from her illness. When the men return, Fu lies about seeing the thief and they sleep in a nearby bowhouse. The next day, the thief requests more effective medicine from the doctor, but the doctor claims he needs more money before he can offer better medicine. Elsewhere, the fence is cornered by the gangsters the thief stole from. 
They burn his scalp until he confesses who and where the thief is. Fu drops by the house again, but is confronted by the thief's mother. She mistakes Fu for his girlfriend and offers Fu. She worries about him ever since his father left in the financial strain with her chronic cough. Back in town, Fu finds the thief. He tries to shake her, but is also found by the gangsters he stole the heroin from. Then he attacks the men and escapes with Fu. When officers demand his attention, he panics and holds Fu hostage. Fu sees he's injured and banishes his arm. She shares the death of her mother, made her an orphan, and she also disobeyed her while she was alive like him. But he should be grateful to still have one. He informs her he did try to get a legitimate job, but no one would hire him. As a crowd forms outside, Mugen and Jean see the person held hostage as Fu with the thief. While the gangsters sneak in through the back to confront the thief, Mugen charges in through the front as the police file in behind him. Fu demands Mugen leave the thief alone and help him escape. Unfortunately, he is killed by officers once he reaches the ground. Fu doesn't have the heart to tell his mother he's dead, but a mother's intuition tells her to be true. She's known for some time he's been in trouble and into, into illegal activity. Speechless, Fu allows the mother to weep for her son. Episode 8, The Art of Altercation A wandering samurai threatens to kill a man wearing eyeglasses he addresses as Jean. Elsewhere, Mugen, Fu, and Jean drag their feet into town starving, dirty, and tired, but can't afford an inn right now. They stumble upon a pawn shop that's willing to take Jean's glasses in exchange for money. Jean reluctantly agrees to, to surrender them until they earn more money to buy them back. Now with money, the trio stuff their faces with food and drink. The same wandering samurai enters the tavern with his eye on food. She rejects his advances on her even after he provides the location to meet him later. Mugen and Jean join a woman for more potent alcohol after she buys them a jug of sake. Offended by their abandonment of her once again, Fu follows the samurai to the location after all. Mugen and Jean are predictably drugged and robbed by the woman they followed home. Fu fares better with the samurai. He relays his life story of becoming the most powerful samurai after dueling other powerful samurais throughout Japan. He was supposed to duel a master samurai, but he discovered he was already killed by one of his students, an eyeglass-wearing samurai named Jean. Fu fiends ignorance about Jean and runs off. The next morning, she discovers Mugen and Jean in a drunken heap outside of her inn. She forces them to earn more money after they allow themselves to be robbed. After creating a spectacle and earning a handsome amount of coins, Fu attempts to talk to Mugen about Jean, but he doesn't know anything. When it's time for Jean to retrieve his glasses, he runs into the wandering samurai and his crew. One of the members is a former student of the master he killed and has been waiting for his chance to duel Jean. They go outside and duel as Jean outduels his opponent but doesn't kill him. Jean admits to killing his former master but not for the reasons everyone thinks they are. The wandering samurai doesn't get his chance to duel Jean either when his dog makes a sudden appearance along with his wife, the woman who robbed Jean and Mugen. Episode 9, Beatbox Bandits an elderly border patrolman is about to retire and has his flashback to the day people were freely allowed to cross the border regardless if they had a permit or not 30 years prior. The trio attempt to cross the border without permits. After they buy them off someone, they are discovered as forged permits and the group is scheduled for execution. The same patrolman was there that day when he suggested Mugen run an errand for the patrolman in exchange for his and his friends' lives. The patrolman is also tasked with tailing him in case he runs off. Mugen is tracked by the patrolman and people in the woods he was warned would attack and kill him, if caught. After attempting to lose them, Mugen gets lost and subsequently captured by the woodsman. The patrolman is eventually caught as well when he attempts to free Mugen. The patrolman informs Mugen the men are former war priests who refused to let go of their role of fighting and protecting the country as a whole, even though they're no longer needed. The patrolman wrangles his way out of his bondage and sets fire to the shed they've been imprisoned in. While Mugen fights his way through the grass fields, 
he goes on a psychedelic trip because the quote-unquote crops were actually marijuana crops. Since Mugen failed to return by sundown as agreed, Fu and Jean were set to be executed. When they're about to be killed, the euphoria from the massive marijuana fields journeys to the border and then affects their executioners. After Fu and Jean escape in the panic, they eventually find Mugen by morning, still high with the war priest along with the patrolman. Episode 10, Lethal Lunacy. Fu, Jean, and Mugen obtain food and lodgings from a priest in exchange for routine chores. Fu hears in town there's a samurai known as the Street Killer killing other powerful samurais and there's a bounty on his head. When she informs the others, Mugen joins her in gaining information about his whereabouts and how he's killing the samurais. Fu learns the street killer didn't leave a scratch on his victims, but they died from internal organ failure with blood seeping from every orifice in their body. Mugen searches for the most powerful samurai in town since that'll be the street killer's next target. However, that samurai is a fraud and Mugen's back at square one. Jane deducts that the priest the group is working for isn't really one or hasn't been a priest for long based on the speed of his reflexes. Mugen stumbles upon the street killer after he unexpectedly shares a drink with him and a stroll over the same bridge two men were recently killed on. Mugen also deducts this man is the street killer and they fight. Mugen is able to dodge these attacks. But when the street killer continues, a whistle is blown and the police pursue the man they now know they now believe is the street killer. Back at the shrine, Fu relays the information she knows about the street killer. Jean predicts Mugen's encountered the street killer when he spotted the blood from his hand, and he announces the priest isn't who he says he is. The priest not only confesses his real identity, but that he knows who the street killer really is. He, uh, he was a former student of his that was lost at sea before being rescued on the continent. There he learned what is known as the armor piercer through the use of chi to kill him opponents instead of a blade. When his student returned, he wanted to share his new martial art technique but instead started killing other students during what was supposed to be training. After he was expelled from the dojo, he was treated like a heteric everywhere he traveled because of his daily antics. Now he's going on a killing spree to display his power and the priest feels no one can kill him, not even himself. Mugen dedicates his time training until the next full moon to defeat the street killer. Fu is confused at his need to train, but Jean tells her it's because Mugen's unsure if he can actually defeat him. Before he goes to fight, Fu and Jean reinforce the promises Mugen made to them about, about tracking down the samurai that smells of sunflowers in his one-on-one -on -one match to death. Mugen dodges and is able to withstand each attack. However, when they both fall into the river, the street killer increases his cheese power before unleashing it onto Mugen. Luckily, either from training or out of spite for his own amusement, Mugen's able to withstand the blow, but not without consequences. He starts to spit up blood and slumps over from the pain. Just then, the street killer launches his finishing attack on Mugen. But Mugen's inaction was a ploy to get him within range, close enough to stab the killer with his dagger. Episode 11, Gamblers and Gallantry. Content warning, mentions of suicide and spousal abuse in this episode. Jean advises a woman standing on a bridge, staring into the river, that the canal isn't as deep as it appears if she wants to drown herself. She insists that's not what she was thinking and goes on her way. Gene begins working part-time as an eel vendor. His first customer is the woman he saw on the bridge. When she asks for an eel, Gene struggles to capture the live creature, but the woman jumps in to teach him how and helps him prepare the fish. Soon, what he expected to be a slow day ends up being extremely busy. Luckily, the woman stays until closing to assist Gene with customers. Before she leaves, she confesses this is her last day of freedom before she surrenders herself to be a prostitute to pay off her husband's gambling debts. Speaking of gambling, Mugen gambles with sumo beetles for cash. He lost his first time, but after training his beetle to be stronger, he miraculously wins a ton of money for the group. When Jean visits the woman he met at the whorehouse, she says her name is Sheena, and if he doesn't have money to pay, he must leave. 
When he doesn't, her pimp has his goons beat Jean up, and he allows them to. Back at their inn, Jean demands the money Mugen won in order to buy time with Shino. Mugen agrees, relieve Jean as she likes women. After they have sex, Jean suggests he and Shino run away together. She's hesitant about his offer, scared that she'll be hunted forever. When Jean witnesses Shino's husband attack her after she refused to give him money she's had to work she's had to work for it to pay off his gambling debts, Jean's made up his mind. While at her job as a barmaid, Fu overhears the owner talk about a samurai with glasses being his only customer at the the whorehouse for Shino. When Fu catches Jean trying to return to see Gino, she warns him against it. She gives him an ultimatum that if he leaves and runs off with her, she'll never speak with him again. Jean apologizes, but leaves anyway. Jean is able to persuade Shino to run away with him. He advises there's a women's shelter across the river where she can stay safely. She doesn't like the idea of being away from him for three years. She'd rather stay as a prostitute. But when Jean reminded her about the day he found her on the bridge, he knew she was planning on killing herself. Shino finally agrees to leave with him. When the two are caught escaping, Jean manages to fight his way through, but it isn't enough with his bare hands. Finally, Fu and Mugen arrive to help him and return his swords. As Mugen fights the guards, Jean and Shino flee the town. At the docks, Shino's husband arrives. Shino throws the amount of money it would have cost to buy her back before Jean shoves her boat further into the water. When the guards come to stop her and Jean, he quickly cuts them down. His hesitancy, his, his hesitancy forgotten after Shino's far enough away. Episode 12, The Disorder Diaries. Jean and Mugen decide to snoop through Fu's belongings for a clue about where they're supposed to go and why since she won't tell them. Mugen finds her diary, but Jean reads it aloud for him since Mugen can't read. The first page starts sometime after her mom died, and the rest is a recap from the day she met Mugen and Jean and their escapades from her perspective. In between, the police officer who helped rescue Fu after she was kidnapped continues to narrate about Japan's cultural changes throughout history, starting with the Edo period. Before they left the temple, Fu seeks advice from the priest about whether or not traveling with Jean and Mugen was the best idea. He tells her it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and their meeting was meant to be. In the end, Jean reads the last page by Fu as a joke at their expense because she knew one day they would try to read it. Episode 13, Misguided Miscreants, Part 1 Mugen leads the group through a shortcut to the ocean where they're confronted by pirates. An old friend of his is there and tries to stop them, but it's her older brother and leader of the pirates that authorizes that call. The girl reveals to Fu and Jean about Mugen's past as a pirate along with the others. They grew up on an island for pirates, so crime was a way of life for them as children. Mugen escapes this life when he faked his death by jumping off a cliff after being set for execution. Presently, Mugen is provoked by the pirate leader to join his gang for one less job even though he initially refused to work with them again. Fu and Jean don't try to stop him when he leaves since they plan on leaving themselves in the morning with or without Mugen. The younger sister races to Fu and Jean to warn them about the trap her brother set for Mugen and his own crew. Unfortunately, his plan is already in motion when they arrive at the dock. Mugen is trapped on the burning pirate ship along with the others when another explosion goes off before Fu and Jean's eyes. Episode 14 Misguided Miscreants Part 2 Jean forces Fu to calm down after they witness Mugen's ship explode in the distance. Jean is asked to avenge Mugen after the lead pirate has betrayed him and left him for dead for the second time. The pirate leader and his inside man leave the money and gold in a hidden cave to retrieve at a later date when the heat has worn off from the authorities. As he was drowning, Mugen has flashbacks of his life as a pirate with the brother and sister duo and all of the men he's killed before going on his own. He struggles with accepting death. Mugen sees humanoid masked figures that were carrying him off into the afterlife. Fortunately, Fu recovers Mugen's barely conscious body after he's accidentally fished out of the ocean by a fisherman. Jean is lured to the pirate's hideout by the leader's sister, but before Jean kills him, they both realize they've been set up. 
While Fu fetches food for Mugen, he leaves to find the traitor. But Jean beats him there to inform him of the man's own sister's betrayal. The government insider with the pirates is the sister's lover. He promises to lead her to the money and flee with her once the heat has died down. But Mugen meets them and kills the man, but sadly leaves the girl alive and alone, her worst fear. Episode 15, Bogus Booty. A man is being ferociously chased by ninjas in the woods. A moment ahead of them, he throws a pouch of money into the river before he continues running. Later that day, Jean fishes the money out of the river for the group to spend while in the next city they travel into. Fu fills up on lots of food while Mugen and Jean ditch her again to visit a brothel in the red light district, which women are forbidden to enter. When Mugen and Jean pick their women to sleep with, the money they use to buy the women is examined as the same money the ninjas failed to retrieve the money before. The brothel is run by a ninja clan of counterfeiters. The man they chase after is captured, but even after several hours of torture, he refused to say who he worked for. In the next room, the woman Mugen picked eavesdrops on their conversation. She too is a spy who has worked undercover in the brothel for a year to uncover the counterfeit scheme. When it's time to pleasure Mugen, she hits him over the head with a vase. But when she tries to leave, he recovers and chases her around the room, demanding sex from her. She promises him sex. She promises him sex if he follows her to the next room where the guards are. After Mugen follows, the men attack them both. After failing on her promise, the woman issues two more and Mugen takes her down an empty elevator shaft into the underground and again after he aids her into killing the ninjas down inside. The two fighters clear the room of ninjas and arrest the ninja kingpin after the woman claims she's the daughter of a rival ninja clan that foiled their plans years ago as well as a police officer from Edo. Above ground, the ninjas were ordered to kill Jean and Fu, while they struggled to identify Fu as she was when they first saw her as much larger than she currently was. Jean was much easier to find in the brothel. However, he easily killed the ninjas who attacked him. After knocking out Mugen once more before leaving town with her companion, the female officer vowed to marry Mugen once their journeys and tasks were completed. Episode 16 Lullabies of the Lost, verse 1. The group hear rumors about a monster living in the woods. Mugen is interested in this monster or whomever it is killing people. Fu's upset by the constant distractions from Jean and Mugen. After Mugen's insults about her lack of sex appeal, Jean's insistence about what the samurai who smells of sunflowers even looks like, and Fu refusing to even say who this guy is to her, the trio part ways. Mugen is attacked by a mysterious man with a crossbow, but once Mugen's identity is verified, the man flees. Another mysterious figure attacks Jean. He's Yukimoto from the same dojo Jean once studied in and killed their master. But Yukimoto isn't there to avenge their master, but to make a name for himself for killing Jean. However, Jean doesn't actively try to kill him. He instead tells him to tell people he did before he leaps from a cliff into the water below. Fu wanders further into the woods before she trips and tumbles down a hill and off a cliff. She desperately holds onto a lonely root before her strength gives out and she too falls below into the river. While underwater, Fu envisions her time with the samurai she's been searching for in the field of sunflowers. First as a child, then as she is presently. But then the sunflowers begin to wilt. Suddenly, at the sight of Momo in her dreams, Fu awakens by the riverbank safe. The man who attacked Mugen introduced himself as Okuru. He feeds and mends Fu's leg. He tells her about the death of his family and how he's traveling west alone. Since Fu is alone now, she asks to travel westward with Okuru. Elsewhere, while relaxing on a separate beach, Mugen is surrounded by the secret police who believe he is Okuru. Episode 17, Lullabies of the Lost, Verse 2 After their failed attempt to arrest Mugen, the police realize he isn't a Kuro in retreat, but not before Mugen apprehends one of them and questions him about a Kuro. 
He claims Okuru was affected by the Roman disease and went insane before he slaughtered his entire village, including his wife and baby, before turning his sword on government officials. Left alone in the cave, Fu wakes up to a missing Momo but finds Jean instead. Jean heard a scream, Jean heard a scream and discovered Fu in the cave. He actually found and carried one of her shoes with him because he thought she drowned and wanted to return it to her body. While walking in the woods, Mugen hears music playing. He discover he discovers it's Okuru playing it in the trees above. Mugen warns him about the police on his tail, but Okuru doesn't mind. He says he's old anyway and ready to face them. Mugen draws his sword after looking into Okuru's eyes. He claims his eyes are similar to a head that's recently been cut off. The eyes are still moist, but you can't tell what direction they're looking in, aimless and distant. Back at the cave, Yukimoto, Jean's former peer, launches another attack on him. But this time, at Yukimoto's insistence, Jean defends himself and kills Yukimoto. As he and Fu pay their respects to his former friend, they hear shouting for Kuru. Momo directs them to where Kuru is and to follow to try and save him. Surrounded by police, Okuru surrenders, but not before he informs them what really happened. Their side of events are wrong after Okuru explains disease was brought by the soldiers, but instead of trying to help, they burned the village to the ground in fear of spreading the disease further. However, his story means nothing to the men as they've been given orders to kill him. When a sudden flock of birds startles one of the officers, he fires his flaming arrows at Okuru, hitting him. Mugen hurdles over and out of hiding to attack the man who shot Okuru. Soon, Jean joins the fray when the soldiers attack Mugen. Okuru is still standing after being fired on. This frightens the sergeant, calling Okuru a monster before he's killed by Okuru himself. After all of the men are killed by Mugen and Jean, Fu joins them as they watch Okuru, now engulfed in flames, fall over a cliff into the river below. Mugen is mesmerized by him, truly believing Okuru is still alive and he will meet him again. Episode 18, War of the Words. Content warning, mention of suicide. Jean, Mugen, and Fu are eating at a restaurant, and when it's time to order, Mugen orders the same thing as Jean. Fu noticed, but when Mugen defended his choice, Fu discovers Mugen can't read. Another man in the restaurant grabs a hold of him and makes Mugen chug down sake, while he insists being illiterate is one of the worst things a man can commit to. Jane wants to travel to another part of town to pay respect to an old mentor. When he arrives to the old dojo, it's dilapidated and covered in graffiti. A group of guys come and claim the dojo as their territory, but settle down when Jean swiftly defends himself against them. Mugen is accosted by the same man at the restaurant and captured back to his school. He insists Mugen learn how to read. He taps into Mugen's pride with his companions, sure he doesn't want them bullying him because he's illiterate. Back in town, Fu stumbles upon a squabble between twin brothers fighting for dominance. Jean arrives as well, acknowledging his previous relationship with them and their father, his old mentor. Fu suggests the twins battle for dominance with a tagging contest. Whomever can tag the most dangerous spot in town wins her affection. Jean agrees to judge the competition but not before he finds out what, what actually happened to the dojo. A priest near his mentor's gravesite recalls the incident. The mentor killed himself in order for his twin sons to inherit his dojo rather than close it or cut off his right arm. But the boys have proven unworthy of it. The other dojo owners were jealous of the man, and since they had favor with the local lord, they spread unsavory rumors about his dojo. After Mugen is finally released from the brutal sensei's tutelage and he hears about the tagging contest, he actually tags the most dangerous spot in, in all of town, the top of a local lord's castle. Fu questioned why the twins also tagged the castle and local dojos. Jane answered it was their way of getting revenge for what the men did to their father. Since Mugen won the contest, neither twin ended up with Fu, but they did enjoy playing with Momo. Soon after, a foreigner from Edo claimed to be a fashion designer and wanted to recruit the twins for their work, but not before the sensei insisted they return to school after witnessing their poor grammar. Episode 19, Unholy Union 
Who waits idly by in an abandoned hut for Mugen and Jean to return with supplies? But when she opens the door to someone, it isn't them, but an exhausted woman begging for help. Two men with guns follow shortly thereafter looking for the same woman. Fu lies and claims she hasn't seen her. Mugen and Jean stumble upon a long line of villagers who are subjected to a stepping stone test for any hidden underground Christian members. When one fails the test, she's carried away to an undisclosed location. When Mugen questions the point of the test, he and Jean are crowded by guards ordered to be arrested immediately. Suddenly, a mysterious man named Xavier appears on a horse claiming to be a Christian who spreads the word of God and frees others who are persecuted. Fu speaks with the woman she helped save named Yuri. Yuri recognizes the skull charm Fu was warned to keep hidden as a good luck charm Christians carry around with them. She also informs Fu about the samurai that smells of sunflowers. Before Yuri can divulge more information, the men with guns return, knock out Fu, and kidnap Yuri. Fu relays what happened to Mugen and Jean when they return. They also go looking for any sign of the men in Yuri to no avail. However, when they stumble upon a gated village, the Lord allows them lodging in his home, which they all accept. Later into the night, Fu wakes up to marching outside. It appears the whole village is entering a cave, which happens to be where the underground Christians congregate. Xavier is preaching about the use and manufacturing of guns as a way to protect themselves and gaining entries into heaven as an alternative to praying. As Fu listens to the crowd, she is discovered by the armed men again and captured. Jean heard rapid footsteps outside as well and went to check in on Fu, but she was already gone. He also overheard several men negotiating about purchasing and manufacturing guns with the Europeans. Back in the cave, Xavier happily exclaims about the amount of money he's made from buying and selling guns with the Europeans by exploiting people's blind Christian faith. Yuri protests to the forced marriage, but Xavier reminds her he will do to her like he did to her father if she doesn't marry him. While Fu was left alone, she ties paper around Momo's neck and orders him to find and give it to Mugen and Jean. After Yuri is thrown into the same prison as Fu, she relays to her about the samurai that smells like sunflowers, aka Seizo Kasumi, how she knew him after the Christians fled from their homes and then had to relocate once more, but was separated from him after a raid. That was years ago, and she has no idea if he's alive or not, but tells Fu where she last saw him. Jean and Mugen confront the lord of the village about their partnership with the Europeans, exploring the village's Christian faith, and demand to know where Fu is being held. While the marriage ceremony is on the way, Fu yells for Yuri not to marry Xavier as she hesitates during the vow exchange. As Xavier accuses them of being demons and threatens to kill them both, a scared guard runs to the stage and informs Xavier that Khan has been discovered, that Mugen and Jean know about their gun scheme. Cornered and exposed for his lies, Xavier orders his guards to kill Mugen and Jean. In the mayhem, the ginormous crucifix on the stage falls, nearly crushing Xavier. When he regains his footing, his disguise with a fake hooked nose and a goatee falls off, further exposing him as a Japanese man, not European. Yuri now has a gun pointed at him, but after he begs for forgiveness and declares to repent, Yuri still fires but into nothing. However, Xavier admits to lying and decides to kill Yuri anyway. But when he pushes the button to the grenade launcher, it implodes on him instead. The next morning, Yuri sees Fu, Mugen, and Jean off to Nagasaki for Seizo Kasume. Jean and Mugen ask about his appearance and Fu finally admits the samurai is her father. Episode 20, Elegy of Entrapment, Verse 1 Fu cowers under an awning to escape the rain. When the owner offers her shelter inside, free of charge, Mugen and Jean appear and accept his offer as well. While at the bar, they along with the Peck restaurant enjoy the performer Jean identifies as a blind entertainer known to travel and draw in crowds with their disability. When the singer joins them at the bar, she's accosted by two men who defend the area and collect money from performers. When they threaten her, Mugen attacks the men. This wasn't out of sympathy, Mugen's attracted to her, but Fu bumps him on the head for his rudeness. 
The woman introduces herself as Sarah and asks if the trio are willing to travel with her. They agree when she offers to pay for their food and lodgings. Jean spots a charm on Sarah's guitar that signifies a child. Sarah admits that having a living child, she gave up instead of the difficult task of raising him as a single blind woman. In the hot springs, Mugen joins Sarah but doesn't make a move on her. She claims to live a happy life but Mugen calls bullshit. The songs she sings tell the opposite of a happy story. After kicking Mugen out of the hot springs, Fu joins Sarah. Sarah then asks what Mugen looks like. Fu thinks Sarah's attracted to him and wants her away, but it's an aura she senses with everyone she meets that allows her to tell who it is and where they are. Later that evening, Sarah questions how Fu feels about the end of her journey with Mugen and Jean. Fu doesn't want it to end, but understands it must one day. When the quartet travel to a temple, Fu asks Sarah what she prayed for. Instead of answering, Sarah asks Fu for a favor. She wants either Jean or Mugen to travel with her so she can be with her son. This decision was extremely difficult for Fu, but she chose Jean. While off on her own, picking out a toy for her son, Sarah is confronted by a man in a mask who warns her about the task she must complete and the life she leads regardless of what she wishes could be. After Jean accepts Fu's proposal to travel with Sarah, Fu cries because Jean didn't put up a fight or reject Sarah's offer. He just left with her. Unfortunately for Jean, this was a trap. Sarah was hired by someone to kill him. She's so skilled in such a narrow space on the wooden bridge they're fighting on, Jean thinks she faked being blind. Episode 21, Elegy of Entrapment, verse 2. When it appears Sarah is getting the best of Jean, he cuts the ropes tying the bridge together, and they both plummet into the water below. The next morning, Mugen and Fu are alerted to an emergency about the same bridge, but the townspeople are unsure how it was destroyed or if people were on it when it collapsed. While searching in the river below, only Sarah was found. Sarah is apologetic about requesting one of the men to join her, but Fu is just as sorry for insisting one of them go with her. Mugen refuses to believe Jean is dead and goes searching for him himself. In the river, Mugen discovers Jean's glasses and Sarah's guitar. Which also, holds her, which also holds her sword. While Fu leaves to find Jean, Mugen confronts Sarah about her tools of the trade. She simply tells him she'll be by the river come nightfall. Elsewhere, Jean wakes up in a hut where the man who fished him out of the river lives. The man named Johnny tests Jean's strength by forcing him to feed himself. When he passes, Johnny gladly fishes out food of the river for them both. By the river, Sarah is exactly where she promised she'd be. With the fight underway, Mugen greatly underestimated Sarah's abilities. He would have nearly died if Fu hadn't found them and jumped in the way of Sarah's blade. While they fought, Sarah detected Mugen's hatred and sadness about never being loved. Before Jean leaves, Johnny demonstrates how he's able to catch the fish with his bare hands. He claims you should go with the current or else the fish will sense something is wrong and quickly divert out of the way. Jean offers the same advice to Mugen when he leaves out once more to look for Sarah. Sarah is on her way out of town when her employer warns her about her son's life. He wants the job done by the next day or her son will be dead. Sarah complies and finds Mugen in the pouring rain down by the river again. Sarah is just as formidable as before, but Mugen finally takes Jean's advice at heart. He's able to dodge Sarah's blade's grasp and is able to sink his attacks with hers. However, when it appears she has him once again, Sarah changes course and allows Mugen to strike her. When he asks why, Sarah responds that her son is dead and has been for some time, that her employers have been using her this whole time. Mugen insists she get her revenge, but Sarah just wants Mugen to finally be happy. The next two episodes are filler. They're fun to watch, but you don't actually have to watch them, just FYI. Episode 22, The Cosmic Collisions. Jean, Fu, and Mugen are wandering through the woods when Fu discovered a mushroom that's considered a delicacy. But Mugen shoves it into his mouth, and then Jean explains more should be nearby if they see one. And sure enough, there were tons he and Mugen devoured. Suddenly, the group plummet into a hole in the ground and come tumbling into a cavern underneath. When Fu is discovered by two strange men, 
She screams until Jean and Mugen find her. Mugen chops off one of the men's arms, but he seems unaffected by it. When they leave the tunnel, they see more people excavating for something. Soon, the man in charge introduces himself as Shiga. He offers a, an official document for rightful ownership of the land with a family tree as proof. He even offers the trio free room and board if they stay to help excavate. Fu is hesitant, but Jean and Mugen agree to stay. Eventually, Fu questions the point of the excavation. Since they found no gold, there isn't much to eat, and the men appear to be rotting. She also grows suspicious when a few men speak of the previous dynasties as if they're still living in them, even though they're currently living in the Edo period. Fu follows Shiga when he's forced to search for more manpower. Jean insists something was funny about that family tree Shiga showed them. When Fu follows Shiga to a graveyard, she sees where... She sees where and how he retrieves men for his dig site. They're zombies. All of them are zombies, including Shiga. When Fu's discovered eavesdropping, she screams for help but keeps running into zombies. She finally faints in front of Mugen and Jean, who now discover the error in Shiga's family tree. Mugen tries in vain to cut the zombies down, including Shiga, when they attack Fu. But it's no use since they're already dead. Fu comes to and informs the men they've been dead and digging for hundreds of years, not five years like they think. Shiga doesn't believe her until Jean steps in and affirms her statement with the incorrect family tree. Shiga isn't a direct descendant of this family's land like he thinks he is. The bloodline is actually disconnected, possibly because of his death. So Shiga has no right to the land as he claimed and this entire excavation has been for nothing. A meteor then hits the entire site, wiping out everyone, but I doubt it affects the lives of Fu, Jean, and Mugen. Again, it's just a filler episode. Episode 23, Baseball Blues. Mugen, Jean, and Fu get roped into a baseball game after Mugen attempts to dine and dash. The game is being used as a wager between Japan and the Americans, who are forcing the trade alliance even though Japan is in isolation. The baseball coach is a former ninja who learned about the game while spying on the European foreigners. After only a day of training, the Japanese team is mocked for only having four formidable players, an elderly, an elderly council member, and a dog as their team. The coach reassures his team they're more than enough to participate. The Japanese team are impressive, but then the elderly councilman suddenly dies and the dog is distracted by Momo and hit by a pitch. Down to four players, the coach spots the less-than-stealthy secret police who has come to investigate the game. He initially tried to sneak onto the American ship, but his American disguise fooled no one. He appeared to understand the signals the coach was giving him, but he hilariously struck out. To force the next inning, the Americans cheat to eliminate the Japanese players and force a forfeit. The Japanese team do what they can, but every successful hit ends in severe injury by the Americans, with Mugen the only viable player left as pitcher and catcher. At this point, no one counted Fu as a team player anymore, even though she wasn't hurt. Mugen strikes out every American player and disqualified them from further playing with a severe injury of their own. The Japanese team end up winning the game with the Americans retreating with their tails between their legs. Part 1 Fu gets sentimental about their last lack of traveling before they must part ways. She suggests they all share secrets about themselves, about their lives before they met each other. Mugen killed a member of a powerful shogun, but he didn't explain why. Jane was an orphan who was adopted and then ostracized by the same dojo when he appeared too powerful for his age. He says he was then forced to kill his mentor and flee. Fu informs them she was under the impression her dad was dead until her mother was sick and dying. She wants to meet the sunflower samurai and smack him once for her mother. She only had the courage to finally seek him out when she met Mugen and Jean. When they finally make it to Nagasaki, Fu tricks Mugen and Jean into buying her souvenirs as a way to avoid their inevitable departure from one another. She leaves them a note explaining this will be less painful for her. She also persuades them not to kill each other. When Fu makes it to Ikasuki Island, she's shunned by the islanders when she asks about her brother. He's blamed for the destruction of the island and the death of hundreds of people. After Fu helps a boy fetch his shoe from a tree, his mother reluctantly provides Fu with information about her father. Back on the mainland, 
Another assassin assigned to kill Jean and Mugen explains to them he knows about the samurai they're looking for. He's a felon and a rebel who the shogun wants dead. They also allow Fu to run free in hopes she'll lead them to his whereabouts. Afterwards, the assassin initiates combat with Mugen and Jean. Back on Ikasuki Island, Fu is confronted by three brothers who've been searching for her and her companions who now threaten her with death. Episode 25, Evanescent Encounter Part 2 Mugen initially fights the Shogun's assassin, but the professional picks apart Mugen's erratic fighting style. Jean then joins the fray. Suddenly, one of the brothers looking for Mugen alerts him to meet his family at the church on the island or Fu dies. Jean insists Mugen protect Fu while he fights the assassin. Mugen reluctantly leaves on a boat to the island. Unbeknownst to him, the same brother that alerted him is hidden under the boat and is prepared to attack him mid-voyage. Jean questions who this assassin is and how he knows about Jean's past. He informs him he was the one who instructed his mentor to give up his dojo to the shogun to train assassins and to kill Jean or he do it. On the boat, the younger, more reckless brother initiates combat with Jean. Unfortunately, Mugen's wild style doesn't work on this tiny, crowded boat, so he topples it over. Once overboard, Mugen manages to kill the brother, but wounds his hand in the process. Back on the docks, Gina is cornered by the assassin. He sees no openings to attack except in one place. The assassin is impressed by Gene's style, but warns him he will be victorious over Gene by a razor's edge. When Mugen finally makes it to the church, Fu is beaten and bruised, but alive. The middle brother informs Mugen he and his brothers were in charge of a sugarcane shipment Mugen and his bandit companions robbed, leaving the eldest brother paralyzed and in a vegetative state. The attack was solely blamed on the brothers, which terminated any contract they had with the federal government and left penniless. Mugen informs the man he just killed his brother and agrees to drop his sword and fight him if he lets Fu go. After he agreed, Mugen throws his sword into Fu's ropes, releasing her and demanding she leave. Fu reluctantly goes and limps to the top of the hill to a lonely cabin the woman informed her about. The assassin seems to have won his match against Jean. He's on the boat to the island after Jean fell off the docks into the water below. If he didn't die from the cut, he will die from drowning. Episode 26, Evanescent Encounter Part 3 Fu is confronted by an elderly man who wants her away from the shed after she tells him she's here for Seizo Kasune. But when he gets a good look at her, he tells her to wait for a moment while he goes inside to speak with a sick man who's revealed to be Kasume. Kasume allows Fu to speak to him since she's come all this way to see him. Fu describes the hardships she and her mother faced after her father left them to fend for themselves, especially after her mother got sick. She swore she would hate him forever and make him understand how they suffered without him. But Fu can't bring herself to be malicious to a dying man. She thinks it's unfair he's about to die without suffering like they did. Before she leaves, Kasumi speaks her name. He explains he thought of her and her mother every day since he left. His elderly caregiver tries to comfort her as well. That he wanted to protect them by separating himself from them for their own safety. Then the assassin from the docks comes walking up the trail. Fu yells for the man to stop, but the caregiver pulls her away. The assassin confirms Kasumi's identity and allows him any last words before he kills him on the orders of the shogun. Kasumi tells Fu one last time how he always thought of her and her mother. Immediately afterwards, the assassin slices Kasumi's throat. He then turns his sword on the caregiver and Fu as the second part of his order was to kill any family members and retainers. The caregiver is stabbed while Fu runs away. Mugen is no match for his opponent as the vengeful man taunts and repeatedly pins him with his sickle to make sure Mugen slowly suffers for his crimes. When the man tries to speak about his suffering, Mugen thinks he's full of shit and should just kill him instead of toying with him. Mugen takes this opportunity to sneak out his dagger and try to stab the crazed man. The fight evens out when Mugen manages to retrieve the sword, but all the chasing around after him with his opponent's sickle destroyed the scaffolding in the church, demolishing it with them inside. Luckily, the two men made it out, but the last and eldest brother is unaccounted for. Now fighting on the beach, Mugen throws his sword by his foe, 
body slams him into the ground and uses the momentum from his own sickle to chop off his head. When Mugen thinks he's in the clear, the last brother finally appears and shoots Mugen. He wasn't as helpless as previously thought. While smirking at Mugen, the man lights another charge for the cannon. Mugen tries to stop him but inadvertently exposes more dynamite which explodes when the cannon goes off. Mugen is now at the edge of a cliff while the assassin is still on her trail. He appreciates that she picked this spot because if she truly was the daughter of a samurai, she'd jump onto the jagged rocks below and kill herself. Just when she thinks this is the end, Jean reappears behind the killer. Before they engage in a rematch, Jean recalls his last lesson from his master about intentionally leaving an opening for his opponent to strike and kill him as a distraction to kill them instead. His master warns him this is a last resort and he should avoid this technique as much as possible. To the assassin's shock, Jean utilizes this exact technique that kills the assassin. It's not shown how, but Mugen miraculously survives the explosion just as Jean survives what should have been a fatal wound. Mugen asks Fu if she met the Sunflower Samurai, but she doesn't elaborate further other than nodding and crying. Now that they've completed their task for Fu, Jean and Mugen agree it's time to fight each other. They run full speed at each other and break each other's swords. Neither continue to fight as they both fall unconscious. When they both awake, Kasumi's elderly caregiver informs them it's been a week since their respective fights. Neither Jean nor Mugen have the desire to fight one another and gather themselves to part ways. Fu leaves with one last piece of information, that she lied about the coin flip to keep them from fighting each other. Soon after, they go their own separate ways, going wherever life takes them. So, there you have it. My episode by episode overview of the anime Samurai Champloo, dubbed in English on Gulu. Similar to another classic anime, Cowboy Bebop, Samurai Champloo only ran for one season. And honestly, I think that's what makes it a classic. Tanishiro Watanabe had an idea for a show, executed all his wacky ideas into one show, and moved on to something else. He couldn't mess it up with further seasons because there's nothing to compare it to. Even though I didn't care for the filler episodes. It's an anime that doesn't take itself too seriously, which may be another selling point for fans of the show and anyone interested in watching it like I was. Alright, that's it for me. Until next time, I'm KS Garner, and you have been listening to the Solo Nerdberg Podcast. Thank you.